Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today because I have a fantastic interview for you. You know, I interview, excuse me, a lot of great talent development leaders, learning leaders, thought leaders uh, in this space of talent development. Today, I've got my first global CEO on the podcast. And I am speaking with Gary Ridge, who is the chairman and chief executive officer of WD40, a global company based in San Diego, California. And Gary has created an amazing culture at WD40. I can't wait for you to hear all about it, what he's done. Some of you may have heard of him, heard him speak or talk about this already. If you haven't, get ready to take some notes We'll be sharing some of this in the form of a blog on our website as well, because there are so many great takeaways in this episode. A little bit more about Gary. Uh, he's passionate about the learning and empowering organization culture he has helped establish at the WD-40 company, and his vision and leadership have positively impacted the WD-40 company in both measurable and immeasurable ways. Gary joined WD-40 in 1987 where in Australia, where he lived and has held various management positions in the company has worked directly with WD-40 Company in over 70 countries. Gary is also an adjunct professor at the University of San Diego, where he teaches leadership development, talent management, and succession planning in the Master of Science and Executive Leadership Program. In 2009, he co-authored a book with Ken Blanchard outlining his effective leadership techniques titled Helping People Win at Work, a business philosophy called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Me Get an A. And Gary talks about that in this interview as well. He's a native of Australia. He lives in San Diego. He is a true servant leader. And in this interview, we talk all about servant leadership. We talk about the culture that they have created at WD-40, why they call their managers coaches, how they've driven their employee engagement up to 93 or 94%, which is just amazing. Talks about his formula for culture, what the job of a great manager and coach is. He gives a lot of book recommendations and some great advice on how to drive culture as well. Uh, so if you are in talent development, you are a coach, you are a manager, you are a business leader, you just like being in awe of great leadership. I can't wait for you to check out this episode. Without further ado, 
Here is my interview with Gary Ridge, the CEO of W. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. BD40. Well, Gary, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. It's been a great week. I've got lots of great calls going on, uh, kids running around, and the highlight is I get to talk personally with the uh, global CEO of WD40. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. you know, I, I'm getting used to the new normal. I'm here in my home office, and although I don't have kids running around, Max the Wonder Dog occasionally does wander in. So uh, yeah. it's a time when we're exercising new leadership muscles that well, we probably had them, but we, um, we forgot a little bit about them. But it's a time when really cherishing and being grateful for, your tri- for our tribe is, is so important. I am, I'm just delighted that we have such an engaged tribe that uh, work every day to do great things. So it's an interesting time. Yeah, absolutely. We are in some interesting times. We're recording this, uh, you know, the beginning of April, and we're certainly right in the middle of uh, coronavirus and everyone working remotely. We were talking before, I've been working from home for years myself, and now I have two children that might burst in here at any moment, but now I don't even get worried about it anymore because it's sort of the new normal. But I want to get into, you know, we scheduled this a long time back and to focus mostly on your leadership philosophies, and I want to talk about that. And I also want to get into how you as a CEO and leader have adapted during these kind of challenging times under coronavirus. But before we get to all that, let's start with a little bit of your background. I'd love to know a little bit of who you are and how you got to where you are today. Oh, okay. Thanks. Well, yeah, I am the CEO and chairman of WD-40 Company. We're based here in San Diego. We make the famous blue and yellow cam with a little red top and many other things that we now market in 176 countries around the world. My journey with them started uh, just on 33 years ago. I'm an Aussie. And I joined them in Australia, opened our Australian subsidiary. And in 1994, I moved to the US to head up our global expansion. And in 97, I got the opportunity to lead the team. And since then, we've been uh, continually growing our business, particularly outside of the United States. We've still got a long way to go. But the thing that I'm most proud of is the tribe that we have. We call ourselves a tribe, not a team. We believe a tribe is a group of people who come together to both protect and feed each other. And I'm very proud of our employee engagement, um, 93% employee engagement, which is about 60 points higher than most companies. And at times like this, this is really important. I love learning. I'm an adjunct professor at the University of San Diego and involved in a, with a lot of other leaders and academics to really do as much as I can to learn about how we can be better human beings. Um, I truly believe that our role as a leader is to develop a place where people go to work every day, 
They make a contribution to something bigger than themselves. They learn something new. They feel safe and are set free by a set of values and they go home happy because happy people create happy families and happy families create a happy world. Absolutely. I mean, that's beautiful. And I know you're well known for creating this great culture at WD-40. And I don't know how much of it was in place versus what you heavily influenced as the CEO. Maybe we'll just start there. How much has the company and the culture changed during the 30 plus years that you've been working? Culture is perpetual in nature. So yeah, it was different 30 years ago and the company was very different 30 years ago. We we were a quarter of the size and revenue that we are now and most of our business was in the United States. When I became CEO, I went back to school and I did a master's degree in leadership at the University of San Diego. And that's where I met my mentor, Ken Blanchard, the one-minute manager. He was my professor. Uh, Ken and I are dear friends. I was after that on his board for 10 years of his company. You know, he really introduced me to the power of servant leadership. And that was my aha moment. I realized that micromanagement wasn't scalable. And if we were to have a growing and healthy business, we needed to create an organization that reflects what I just shared with you earlier. So it all started then. And now it's a continual job to make, maintain the culture and ensure that we live our values every day. Can you expand on the, this idea of servant leadership a little bit? Because I love what you said about the realization that micromanagement isn't scalable. And I've been on a bit of a crusade myself to try to rid the world of too much micromanagement. And a lot of it is done mostly out of fear, right? Because people are become controlling. They're afraid that their employees aren't going to get stuff done. It's going to reflect poorly on them. Or if they become a, quote, servant, then that employee might rise up and take their job or something like that. Can you speak to why we shouldn't be acting that way and the power of servant leadership? Yeah, sure. Servant leadership is, to me, reasonably well-defined when we talk about ego and empathy. When ego eats empathy instead of empathy eating ego, that's when servant leadership doesn't have the chance to play. And servant leadership is not about the prisoners running the prison. It's about firstly having a true commitment to development of your people, having a clear purpose, having a clear set of values that set people free, but also guide them, having a clear strategy within the organization, being bold at executors, and then over the top of that, having a true dedication to learning. And the fear side that we talk about is we don't make mistakes at WD40 Company, we have learning moments. And the difference is a learning moment is a positive or negative outcome of any situation that needs to be openly and freely shared to benefit all people. And you're right, fear is one of the most disabling emotions we have. So we can remove fear by it being okay to not always be right. And that's true. You know, I often say in most situations, I'm probably wrong and roughly right. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I love that philosophy that you approach things with kind of a growth mindset, right? To, to uh, quote the great Dr. Uh, Carol Dweck, who wrote the book Mindset, which believes that, you know, you can always improve on things, right? It's okay to get things wrong because those are learning opportunities. And I love the philosophy that, you know, there are no failures, only learning opportunities. We don't make mistakes, only have learning moments. And I think, you know, I talk to a lot of companies who are, you know, they say they want to improve innovation, right? But the thing that holds them back is so many people are afraid to fail. They're afraid to be wrong. And so they're not going to try new things. How do you create this culture where there are no mistakes, there are only learning moments? And are there certain times when that's true and certain times when that's not true? 
No, I think there's times when it's always true, because if you do have this ongoing commitment to curiosity and learning, one of our values is we value making it better than it is today. So that's really one of the drivers of the learning moment. Now, let's be clear, we don't want to make the same learning moment several times. We want to learn from it. You know, even in this horrible kind of situation that we're going now, and the pressure is on everyone. And what I've been sharing with our tribe on daily, nearly basis is let's make sure that even in these times where we're making note of the learning moments, because as we go through those, when we come out the other side of this, and we will, They'll help us again, all soar like eagles. So let's not waste a crisis. We have the opportunity to learn around that. So I think that empathy for their struggles at the moment is is very important, but affirming confidence is also important. And that's also got a lot to do with power of the learning moment. Yeah, and having the right people and helping them, empowering them and helping them understand where they can take chances and risks and that it's important to, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn and improve from it, right? I'm curious about this. You also mentioned values and purpose. And everybody, it seems like a very purpose-driven organization. People are connected to the purpose. You mentioned that, which helps drive engagement. I think a lot of companies pay lip service to having values and talking about a purpose, but it's very rare that employees are actually connected to that. How did you do that? I mean, how do you create such a culture? Well, you know, we have to have a just cause. It's to help make life better at home and at work. And that goes for the people in our company and those we serve as our customers. But I have an algorithm for culture. And here it is. Culture equals, and the equal sign means happens when, parentheses, values plus behavior, close parentheses, multiplied by consistency. So there it is. You've got to have values. You've got to have the behaviors and you've got to do it consistently right through the organization so that not only do people adopt their values, but they embed them in the way that they go about their business every day. like that. So culture equals or happens when values plus behaviors times consistency. consistency. So yeah, so you've got to have the values in place and people need to understand them. And then you need people taking the right actions, the behaviors that they have, and then you want that happening regularly. Right. How do you instill that? How do you get people to understand the values and have the right behaviors? Well, firstly, you've got to be brave enough when the behavior is not aligned with the values. You've got to be brave enough and loving enough to the people you serve to redirect them. But our values are actually part of our, in the book I wrote with Ken, which is called Helping People Win at Work, we share there how values are part of our ongoing employee talent development program. So we have our people every quarter tell us how they've lived our values in the last 90 days. And we only have two measurements for values. You either live them or you visit them. And we don't want a lot of visitors. So, you know, this is where leadership courage comes into play. It's a balance between being tough-minded and tender-hearted. So you've got to act it and you've got to be prepared to be courageous and loving to help people around those behaviors. And then is there some type of reinforcement? Is there some type of training? Is there some type of interventions where people are regularly getting reminded of these or they know what's working and what's not? It's embedded now over time. We have a number of different talent development programs in the company. We have a thing called Leadership Lab, which is an internal program that actually teaches the attributes of leadership, not how to manage people. So yes, you know, again, there's a whole flurry of different tools and behaviors that we use. But at the end of the day, it comes from the leader 
here's an example. We don't have managers in our company. Everybody's called a coach. So I am the coach of the people I lead. So what's the job of the coach? The job of the coach is to help people step into their best, best personal self. So what does that mean? You don't find the coach out on the playing field. The coach is on the sideline and in the locker room, observing the game, having the conversations, coaching them along. We do, we've been doing employee opinion surveys for 20 plus years. And there's a couple of numbers that are really great. What 96% of our tribe members globally say they respect their coach, not like their boss, respect their coach. 96% or 97% say they know what results are expected of me. 96% say they feel their values align with the company's values. So we're actually doing this and then measuring it. And that's why we have an employee engagement of 93%. Amazing. Really incredible. And I love the terminology that everybody's a coach and kind of reflecting on what that means because so many organizations out there are struggling with how do you get your managers to coach their people, right? To give the coaching, give the feedback. They're more worried about their own job. And again, the micromanaging and that sort of thing. You're almost, you're directing them psychologically by starting them off by saying, you're not a manager, you're a coach, coach. right? So you need to act like a coach. And do they get training along with that to know what it means to be a coach? Absolutely. Interestingly enough is the definition, your job as a coach is not to mark someone's paper. It's to help them get an A. Mm. So you need to identify with the people you're coaching, what does an A look like? How will I know what that A is? And then how do you help them get to that A? So we have quarterly or more conversations with our, our tribe members, their coach, and they sit down and say, here's what we agreed to do. Tell me where you think you are. What's on your mind? What else? What's getting in your way? What resources don't you have? Where can I help take away roadblocks for you? Or how, here's an observation I have where I think you need to redirect yourself or focus on something else. So these are just ongoing development conversations that we have on a very regular basis. So interesting. I love how you're putting this into practice. And everything you're saying reminds me of some of the teaching and philosophy from a couple of our mutual friends like Liz Weissman, who wrote about this in the book Multipliers, right? Absolutely. And Michael Bungay-Stanier, who wrote about this in the book The Coaching Habit, Your Fellow Aussie talking about freeing things up for people, right? Getting roadblocks out of the way. What else can I do to help you? This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working, and a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Versus always trying to come in with advice and telling people what to do. 
I love Michael's book. Uh, I don't know how many hundreds of copies we bought and, and gave them to all our coaches. And I love his new book, The Advice Trap, as well. And, of course, Liz Wiseman's book uh, is just, again, right on target around how do you get people to be influencers. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's we're putting that stuff into practice so it works. Yeah, Liz and Michael have both been on this podcast. Just had Michael on again recently to talk about his new book, The Advice Trap, a fantastic interview and great book. And you also reminded me, I think I mentioned to you the first time we talked that I run a full day workshop based on Multiplier's book. And in in there, we talk about some of the things that managers do to be diminishers. And one of them is always jumping in and rescuing their people, right? And you talked about being a coach and how you don't have coaches going out on the field. The players are out in the field. And it's so funny, everybody gets it when you share that metaphor that in sports, the players are on the field and the coaches are on the sideline, giving them guidance, helping them along. You never see them go out on the field. But in business, for some reason, managers always want to jump in, take over, micromanage, rescue, and you would never see that in an athletic contest. And worse even still, and worse even still, Andy, in the business community, they also want to go up on the podium and take the prize away from the player. Mm. I've never seen Tiger Woods' coach wear the green jacket. Yeah. But you're right. They want to add too much value. They always want to win. And when things go great, they're on the podium and they're forgetting the people that put them there. And when things don't go great, they're blaming the players. Yeah. When I think about what you're saying, in a lot of cultures, there are a lot of managers out there who are stealing credit. I run this program. I essentially replicate Liz's research with the people in my classes and ask them what their diminishers have done over the years. And you always hear stealing credit, taking credit for my ideas, things like this, which is a total fear-based activity, right? Because you think I need to get credit because I need to get recognition. Otherwise, I might lose my job. So it's ego. It's ego, right? Yeah, it's It's absolutely the ego. So it sounds like, and I'm just setting you up for this, but how do you create a culture where People are not worried about that. They know they'll be recognized for being a good coach and getting out of the way versus having to produce and show results all the time. Well, number one, gratitude. I don't know if you know Chester Elton. Chester just released a new book, Leading with Gratitude. Mm. Chester wrote the book, The Carrot Principle. But it's a great thing about you just have to show gratitude to people. And if they live long enough in an environment where that behavior doesn't exist, the fear goes away. The fear goes away. Could you imagine you're walking through a zoo and all the lions are uh, freely running around? There's fear. But if the lions are in a protected area, you'll walk through the zoo without fear. So we've got to put the ego lions in their cage. Right. Or if you know your job as a manager or a coach is actually to get the lions out of the way for your people so they can get their jobs done, right? Absolutely. And it's clear. I want to go back to what you said about employee engagement being at 93%, which is astronomical, You know, I think higher than probably most organizations out there, especially a global organization where you've got people all over the place. What else has contributed to that? We talked about values and culture. There are other things that we haven't talked about that, that contribute to having such a high employee engagement. Well, you know, I think, again, it's a commitment to the people, transparency, being calm, being good listeners, asking questions, understanding the issues enabling others to express their points of view, transparency. We say no lying, no faking, no hiding, which is really important. So again, people, and the final, the other thing that's really important too is belonging. One of the biggest desires we have as human beings is to belong. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization, the first two rungs are 
am I safe and can I eat? And the third one is loving or belong. And it's a shame that most people in organisations only know they're doing a good job because no one yelled at them today. And that's why we call ourselves a tribe, not a team, because you belong to a tribe. And we studied the attributes of tribal behaviour over time across a number of different tribal groups. And it's interesting that there's some common themes there. The number one responsibility of a tribal leader, a learner and a teacher. Here's the example. Let's go back thousands of years to my homeland, Australia. Let's be sitting in the middle of Australia observing a meeting of the Indigenous Australians. What does the tribal leader do? The tribal leader is teaching the young tribe members to throw a boomerang. Why? Because if they can't throw a boomerang, they won't survive because the boomerang is the tool of survival. So our number one responsibility is to be a learner and a teacher. I love that. And you just don't see that often, right? You think that as a quote leader or manager, you need to have all the answers. So people do get the teacher aspect. But I think one thing that the best leaders are doing now or the characteristic of some of the best modern leaders is that they don't feel like they have to have all the answers, right? They can ask questions and just get move things out of the way instead of what we see a lot, which is hire smart people, but then don't let them use their smarts, right? Yeah. Unconsciously incompetent. The three most powerful words I've learned in my life, I don't know. And as soon as you get into that position, you unlock all of the wonderful people around you that do know. And in a lot of cases, I don't know the answers, but I tell you what, together we can find them. Mm-hmm. or we can make the conclusions that we have better than they are today. So that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. One other thing I wanted to ask you about this before we maybe switch gears to talking about what's going on today is that a lot of my listeners are in talent development, learning and development. So they're just loving this. They're eating this up, right? But I'm sure you interact with a lot of CEOs, CFOs, business leaders who think more about quote unquote business results and maybe hear a lot of this stuff about employee engagement values, whatever. That's great. How does this connect to business results? Well, if they are brave enough to believe that, here's the bottom line. In 384 BC, Aristotle said, pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. Our job as a leader is to put pleasure in the job. And if we believe that, we will have a result that you are going to get a better result If 93% of your people are going to work every day instead of 70% of people going to work hating their jobs. So isn't our, our role as a leader to create the will of the people to do great work? And if we do, they're going to do better work and you will get the financial results. The thing is, it doesn't happen in 90 days. It's simple. It's not easy. And time is not your friend. And we live in this world of instantaneous. However, that may well be changing. What's going on around the world today may have us think a little more about the long term than the tomorrow's result because we're being forced now to think even further long term because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring us. If we sat here today and was really focused on tomorrow, given this time of uncertainty, we'd go nuts. You know, people can deal with risk, but they can't deal with uncertainty. And what happens when we're living that now? So what happens when we put uncertainty in a business? People can't deal with it. Yeah. So this may change the world in a great way, Andy. It may change the world in a great way. I believe that 100%. I'm an optimist. So I think a lot of opportunities will come out of this. And I can relate to this idea of 
you know, the short-term uncertainty, there are a lot of companies out there that operate entirely on a 90-day schedule, right? The quarterly earnings and the next goal and the next goal. I can tell you in my own business, essentially selling and running training development, I get on the phone with a client and they really love a program. When are we going to run this? I don't know, right? Is it going to be in two months? When are we going to be able to? Four months, six months? It's uncertain right now. But all we can do is build relationships, plan for the future, and think about you know what are the most important things and how can we help you achieve those? Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about this coronavirus crisis and not only, obviously, their health risks around the world, but as far as the world economy is concerned in the working world, the biggest change, of course, is that most of the global workforce has shifted from offices to working from home, working remotely, which means a lot of them are trying to figure out technology, video conferencing, all this stuff. How has WD-40 handled this major shift? Well, firstly, you know, we've got three major priorities. The first one is to is the safety and the well-being of our tribe. So, you know, in that, we're making sure that, you know, they are working in a safe environment. Most of our tribe are working from remote locations now. They're becoming uh, experts on tools that they really never used before. That's where I talk about the leadership muscles uh, being becoming virtual is really important. The second thing that we're doing is staying connected with our customers and serving them where we can and supporting our vendor partners where we can maintain our business infrastructure ready for us to be able to soar like eagles when we come out of this because this too will pass. What we're doing personally, I interact by email every morning with every tribe member around the world, a short, encouraging way. We're sending out updates at larger way on a weekly basis. I'm doing a, um, a weekly video that we're sending out. We're asking all of our, our uh, leaders to be in touch with our people, reaching out to them, uh, acknowledging the pressure they're under, empathizing with their struggles, affirming our confidence, really knowing this is tough, but also we know we can handle it and we'll get through it. And I was listening to Marshall Goldsmith yesterday, and he brought up three things that I thought were good, and I'll share them with you. He said, in this time, don't be judgmental. Forgive everyone for being human and forgive yourself for making mistakes because in this time, we're going to do that. So don't be. And what I've seen in our company right now is a heightened collaboration, a little, a lot more comfort, a lot more forgiveness. And I think that's really, really, really encouraging. So. These times are tough. 33 years I've been trying to lead, and this is the first time I've been through this, but this too will pass and we will be better for it. Uh, hopefully we'll learn some great, we'll have some great learning moments. I agree completely. I know that the world and the economy will change, but it will pass. We'll get through it. I love your humble mindset throughout everything that you've been trying to lead for 30 years. Obviously, it sounds like you've been doing a pretty good job of it, but uh, I guess that's all up to perspective. Another thing I wanted to touch on there, this idea of inclusive leadership is really important these days. You said something about from Marshall Goldsmith about basically letting everyone be human, right? Don't judge people for being human. We all have been humans, but a lot of people show up differently at work than maybe they do in other places. Do you think, how has that been handled where you work? And do you think that's going to change in terms of how we let people be authentic? A lot of that is personal on how vulnerable you are prepared to be. At the end of the day, we are just human. And just this weekend, I was re-listening to my favorite book in the world, 
written by Robert Fulgram, Everything You Need to Know You Learned in Kindergarten. Mm. And it talks about say please and thank you, pick up after yourself, clean up your mess. He says, imagine if the world at three o'clock every afternoon sat down and had a glass of hot milk and a chocolate cookie. Would the world be a better place? And I think it depends how you can be vulnerable. Um, as I said, I there's one me, and sometimes the me I love is better than the me I don't love. But I try to be my best me, respect people with dignity, and do the best we can. Yeah, I agree. I love that. And I think that this will change things and allow people to be more human and more authentic. I'm on video calls all day and every day with people, and we're having more conversations about kids and school and type of things that people are into. You see them kind of in their real element, right? Everybody's at home, which is kind of interesting. I'm enjoying it because it's kind of the life that I've already been living. And I don't worry as much about my kids coming in when I'm on these calls. Just a couple more questions, a few more questions for you, Gary. Some of my standard questions here. What's been your greatest accomplishment or proudest moment in your career? Watching those that I've had the opportunity to lead go on to do great things. Fantastic. So the ever the servant leader watching others succeed. What has been your one of your biggest mistakes or learning moments, we'll say, if there are no failures or mistakes, one of your biggest learning lessons? Taking too long to recognize the power of people. Hmm. Can you give a little bit more detail or an example of that? Yeah. You know, it was back when I really got to lead WD-40. And back then I was probably a bit like Al the soul sucking CEO, which was, you know, be brief, be bright, be gone, be dominant. Then I went back to school and I learned about servant leadership and it felt so right. And I thought, hmm, I would have liked to have learned this a little earlier in my life. Might have been better at what I am. But um, yeah, that's probably my big So my message is to anyone who's listening, who's aspiring to make a difference in people's lives is realize early it's not about you and learn to be If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Be a servant leader and the more you help others to be the best, the better you'll be. It sounds like you made a major transformation in your career and your life around that time. And you mentioned going to school and meeting Ken Blanchard. Do you credit a lot of it to him and that education? Was there any other factor? That was, as Whitney Johnson would say, that's when I disrupted myself. Yes. I moved from my country of Australia to a new country. So I was in a completely new environment, in a new role, and I disrupted myself. And I said, I'm not going to be able to do this. I need to find a way. That's so cool. Whitney Johnson has been on this podcast as well. And of course, her book is uh, Disrupt Yourself, I believe. And I love that concept. I think we always need to be thinking about that, that we never have things completely figured out. There's always things we can learn and ways we can change and improve. And if we keep an open, humble mind, we can learn from others, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Are there any, we talked a lot about values and engagement and things. Are there any other major trends that maybe you're following in terms of business or specifically around this idea of developing your people? I don't know about trends. I think that I feel a little comforted that I feel that the business world has the biggest opportunity ever to be able to make a difference in the world because we touch so many people every day. And I was a little refreshed by some of the comments that came out of the president of the CEO roundtable and and other organizations recently where they're starting to think more about the, the total contribution we make to business, not just businesses there just for the bottom line. Business is not there. The profit is the applause of people doing good work. Mm. And for people to do good work, we need to create these environments and cultures where they thrive. And that's what's important. So I, I think there's some encouraging things coming along. And this current situation, I believe this current situation is going to help it. Yeah, it's definitely going to open people's eyes and change a lot of things. And I love what you said there. Profit is the applause for people doing good work. I think more business leaders need to hear that and understand that, that it's more than, it's about more than just profit going to shareholders. It's about all the stakeholders and really the profit coming from the work that those important stakeholders, your employees have done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I usually ask my guests for a book recommendation. You've already mentioned a few, Leading with Gratitude by Chester Hilton, Everything You Need to Know, Learned in Kindergarten, which by the way, my daughter is in kindergarten right now and I'm learning from her every day. Although it's a whole new world being in kindergarten remotely, just like for everybody else. And we've talked about multipliers and the coaching habit. Any other books that you highly recommend? One more. Simon Sinek's latest book, The Infinite Game. Hmm. Simon is a friend of mine. He wrote Start With Why, Leaders Eat Last. And The Infinite Game is an absolute blueprint of how to create a company that is playing for the infinite. And The Infinite Game is staying in the game. And that's what we're all doing now. So Simon's new book, The Infinite Game, is definitely one on the, on the radar. Absolutely. I've heard great things about that. So I've yet to read it, but I'll have to check that out. And then the last question for you, Gary, for anybody listening, looking to up their game in terms of talent development and improve the culture where they work. We've talked about a lot of things. What's one more piece of advice you would give? I probably said it already, but it's not about you. It's about how you change the lives of others. Yeah. Positively. 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 With some love. (laughs) With some love and some empathy, right? Yeah. Um, Don't let your ego eat your empathy. Have your empathy eat your ego. I'm going to put that. It could be another formula for you, right? Empathy over ego. Yeah. Empathy over ego could be the mantra that helps all of us succeed. Yep. With love. I love it. Well, Gary, I know people can probably find you, connect with you on LinkedIn. Do you have any other places you'd want people to go to connect with you, to follow you, to see what you're doing? I also have a website, www.thelearningmoment.net which I put, I have a, a whole list of book recommendations on there. I put some blogs up there occasionally. My dear friend, our dear friend, Martha Finney, helped me a lot with that. So, uh, That's right. Yeah, our mutual friend, Martha Finney, actually connected us. And I'm so grateful to her. She's a prolific author, writing coach, helps a lot of people in this space, in the leadership space, get books out there into the world. Not only is she a rock star as a writer, but she's a rock star as a human being. I love that. I hope she listens to this and hears that. That's just great. Great note to go out on. Gary, thank you again for taking time to share some of your wisdom, your experience, and especially your philosophies on leadership and culture on the podcast. 
it's been great for me and I know it's been valuable for our listeners as well. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure and uh, we'll get through this. Life is good. Yes, we will. I agree. All right, take care. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.